Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, evening for some out there listening. My daily update today, the irony is that certain people are going to laugh at the update, but that's because they don't understand. And so I thought it's important that I put context around the topic because the topic is still appropriate and the situations that would cause those people to laugh is irrelevant to this specific topic and they don't understand because in their mind, they're bulking it all together, which is part of the problem. I talked about the decline of personal interactions as a root cause to what I'm about to share. And it's this idea around re-meeting people. In order to better understand what this means, you have to kind of think outside of the box that's currently your life as it stands today. And you have to broaden your perspective into a time span that usually starts when you're a teenager, generally, and extends all the way until you are no longer alive on this world. And the reason that you have to think of it as a timeline is that I don't believe people really appreciate what does change and what does not change about themselves and about other people. These changes, necessary though they may be, lend themselves to a faulty perspective of other people as it pertains to interactions between you and them, depending on that point in time. Let me clarify what I'm saying. And I will state things in factual form because you know they're factual. If you really stopped and thought about it, stared at a white wall and reflected on what I'm saying, you will agree. What I'm going to say is factually true. When you are a teenager, I said it on a previous update, you believe that you are unstoppable. You believe that you are invincible. You believe that there is nothing quote unquote wrong. Certainly there are teens that have certain syndromes, right? Anorexia, body dysmorphia, and so on. I'm only talking about the situation where you're interacting with other people. Your focus is to make friends first and foremost. If you don't make friends, it certainly makes you feel bad, but when you do make friends, as you interact with those friends and you get more comfortable with those friends, you're never at that age appreciating what things you say or do that might have caused a negative impact on the other person. In kind, those people likely are not admitting that certain things that you may have said or done have harmed them in some way and vice versa. Certain things that they may do or say may either frustrate you, upset you, confuse you. Frankly, you kind of roll it off the chin because at that age, you are so invested in just making and keeping friends that you do not think about the ramifications of your actions and your words, mostly because nobody told you why it matters. I'll even extend that to your parents. Your parents aren't telling you why things matter. They're not telling you why you should treat certain people a certain way. They'll tell you that you should. And in certain schools, they'll teach you that you should, but not why and why it matters. The reason they don't teach you why it matters is because they themselves don't truly understand it until they get much older and they start reflecting. Now, why am I stating these in such factual form and why am I so confident this must be true is because if you look at anybody you can think of, Anybody you could think of, whether that's you, it's your parents, it's your grandparents, it's your friends, co-workers, I challenge you, do this as a test. Ask any of them 
whether or not they stayed in touch with the people that they graduated high school with. Any of the people that they were, quote, friends with in high school, challenge, ask them if they keep in touch with those people on an ongoing basis. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, the vast majority of people that you knew and that you were allegedly friends with in elementary school, junior high, middle school, and high school, even college, you are no longer friends with. You're acquainted with them. You would be friendly if you met them, but you're not actively communicating with the vast majority of them. There may be one or two where you created a bond that kind of lasted the test of time, but the fact is these friendships that you create from childhood on up, they start to wash out. Not because people are inherently evil, but because people have adjusted and changed according to their situations. Those situations then mold you into a certain mind frame that is different than what you had before. When I say different, I'm saying that what you accepted, what you tolerated, what you believed, what you were okay with as a child and as a teenager and as a young adult likely no longer is the case when you become your 20s, your 30s, your 40s and on simply because life has affected you and has caused you to adjust and make changes to your perspective to where you're less tolerant. You're not willing to accept things that you were told or believed in the past. There's nothing wrong with this. We expect to change. When you get to this realization that things have changed, certain people will start to feel bad. I feel bad that I haven't talked to this person in a while. I feel bad that I have lost contact with this person. Don't feel bad. Understand why it happened. First, I, I again, I blame technology for some of this. We have lost the desire to actively communicate with people on an equal level, excuse me. Because we've lost that desire, we no longer are putting priority into it. When I was younger, in my 20s-ish, I would frequently use the excuse, I don't have time, until I got to this point where I realized that's a lie. It's not that I don't have time, it's that I'm not making time. There's a difference. To some people that heard what I just said, they'll say, no, it's the same thing. No, it's not. Not having time means I literally do not have time by no control of my own. Not making time is that I could adjust certain things and I actively am choosing not to adjust things that I could adjust in order to make the time available to other people because it's not a priority of mine. Case in point, if you're the kind of person who goes out to the bar for three hours after work every evening, that is an optional thing you do because you choose to. You choose to spend that three hours at the bar after work instead of time with your significant other, for example. That is a choice you're making. You could just as easily choose to say, I'm not going to go to the bar because I don't have to go to the bar because the bar is an optional activity and I'm going to not go today so that I can spend time with you. That's a choice. You are making time. Because today, people are less likely to realize the difference between time that you have that you choose to make available and time that you don't have, it's caused us to then disconnect because we're not actively trying to persist relationships. We're not actually working to make the relationship solid, stable, ongoing, connecting. Because we're not trying to do that, we are stuck in time, mentally, 
to a point in time that we expect a certain person to act a certain way with minimal deviation. And the reality is that we have to accept that they're going to have changed because we lost contact with them and thus were not witness to their evolution. On the flip of this, certain traits of people will never change. Long as we recognize which ones will never change and we can separate those from the ones that should change, we should be able to, quote, re-meet them at some point in the future. This is true even if we felt, we fell out, we felt like something went wrong and we lost contact for what we believed at the time was a, a good reason. We should be able to, quote, re-meet them at some point later with a new perspective. The new perspective is us now and how we perceive people in general without the baggage of what happened before. And we have to evaluate those people in today's lens, not yesterday's lens. Because if we evaluate them in today's lens, we might actually find things that we admire. We might actually find things that inspire us. We might actually find things that we welcome and that we embrace. If we look at it with the lens of yesterday, not only are we missing the positives that may have come out of that person, but we're also holding baggage of ourself that simply creates stress and strain. I used to have a saying at work that still maintains to this day. I don't get stressed because I'm not looking at people in the yesterday's lens. I will evaluate them from what happened before against today's lens to verify that they have or have not changed. And if they have changed, that they've changed in a positive way. Let me tell you a story about that. A person that I've known since I was a child, he disappeared one day. I never knew why he disappeared. And the disappearance of him, it was not normal because others have disappeared, but at least I understood why, right? They went to the military, they moved to a different state, something happened. I suspected he had gone to a different state. I suspected he had gone back to his birth state. I suspected that he was doing okay, but I wasn't sure. And so I actively, as part of my outreach for COVID, actively sought this person out and found him. It took a bit, but I found him. Turns out this person, now this person, I'm not going to get specifics, but he's been through a lot. He has been through more than anybody will ever know or appreciate that a person should never have to deal with. I'm talking the worst of it. His makes mine look like nothing. And I've gone through some stuff. He's gone through the worst. He came out of it. This is about a year after he disappeared. He became a truck driver. I've thought about that as well. At points when I was at a down point, I thought about being a truck driver. What stopped me only was I've driven in inclement weather and it's not fun and the chains is not fun. But he became a truck driver. He built up money. He went back to college. This is after he's an adult. He went, went back to college. He got his bachelor's. Then he got his master's. Then he created a business and he started working for himself and he recovered from what had happened. That's inspiring when you see that. But if I had never taken the opportunity to try to find, seek him out, think about it. Okay, something happened. I want to make sure he's okay, but I also want to make sure things are going good. And if there's any help I can offer, if you never take that thought process into mind of, I want to actively try to maintain that connection and try to re-meet somebody that I've 
lost contact with for whatever reason, you wouldn't even know, wow, this person was able to dust himself off, pick themselves up and make a future for themselves against all odds, which should inspire you. Because in certain people's mind, they look at what they felt in the lens of that time, whatever negative or whatever that was that caused you not to connect back then, you're stuck in that time. You cannot get out of it. You are frozen and you hold on to this for illogical reasons. I once told the story about my brother who left home. He ended up homeless. People saw him around and about at parks and things. And then one day, we still don't really know how, he ends up back in his, I believe his birth state at this point. And today he's a manager of logistics. He's working international companies. He has a family. All this is, should be inspirational behaviors, but it takes you re-meeting people and not being stuck at a point in the past and just fixating on it. So the contrast to those two that I just told you, I told a story about my ex where she stuck in the time we were 18, 19 years old, where neither of us really, we talked way too much. That was number one. But number two, she is a different, she's a mentally different person emotionally. When I say mentally different emotionally, I'm saying that her mind is in emotional reaction mode. It's whatever the emotions are, I'm going to make these decisions and thought processes based on my emotions. That's what I mean. That's how she is. And she never learned to let go. Now, the reason that I hold, I get concerned when I see this is that there's no reason for her to be that way decades after the fact, because we're adults now. What happened before, I'm not arguing it didn't happen, but the truth is there were two main reasons. One, we were kids, effectively, that don't know any better. We shouldn't have been talking all the time. That was harmful. We know that now. But at the time, that's what we both signed up for. So we didn't get a chance to miss one another. So that's not healthy. And number two, arguably, she is addicted to internet, online, those types of things. I wasn't addicted. I could separate it like nothing. To me, the internet is a tool to get stuff done. It was never going to be a long-term thing. I spend probably less of my time on the internet than I do reading the newspaper at this point. That's fine that that's the way she felt, but I felt differently and I was able to disconnect and she stayed in it. She stayed in it even now. Fine. We're different people. None of what I just described to you is so egregious that I would not be willing to re-meet her and just make sure she's okay and make sure that she's healthy and didn't die from COVID and life's doing good and if she needs help or something. But in her mind, childish behavior and childish mannerisms and things were so bad that you stay in that moment and you don't really try to re-meet somebody decades later. Same as somebody else who I would call probably a friend at best. Again, childish things come into play. It is what it is on two sides. There's issues. I separate. I purposely separate because I know it's not healthy. This person stays bitter because I separated and they hold it for decades. I checked in to make sure that person's she's okay and didn't die from COVID, everything's healthy, still bitter, still holds it, not willing to re-meet people. Yet, I can talk to a person that I worked with back in 2004 that I knew very briefly, as, relatively speaking, 
it was only while we were at work, but this person is comfortable enough that she can send me a text message in the middle of the night. She knows I'm going to answer it and we can talk about whatever. And she knows it's cool. That's the way it should be that you cannot. It doesn't matter. You kind of have to evolve with time. It doesn't matter what happens at one point in time. If it's not egregious, if it's not absolute, you know, somebody killed somebody, right? That's probably egregious. You probably are not going to let that go unless you really are enlightened and like the guy with Amber Geiger. Okay, I can probably see that. But most people, if you killed somebody, that's an unforgivable, egregious, you took a human life situation that you will never overlook. Let's say somebody physically harmed somebody that you cared about. Let's say somebody stole from you or somebody damaged property of yours. Yes, I can see where you might hold certain of these, but again, if we're just talking, hey, we had an argument years ago. Is that really so bad? Just an argument that you can't let it go and re-meet people. Now, I'll close with this. There are certain things even I will never let go that to some people don't feel egregious, but they're not understanding the reason why it's so bad. One of these things is if you hang up on me on the phone, and of course, this is a list of things people don't want to get on the phone. But if you hang up on me on the phone simply because you're upset, I'm giving you factual whatever you need to hear, and you don't want to hear it, and so you hang up on me, I consider that egregious. I consider that unforgivable. Why? Because it means you didn't think enough of me to try to absorb what I'm trying to tell you and try to change your mind, change your level of thinking to come around to what I'm trying to tell you. When you're in any kind of relationship, friendship or otherwise, you should be at least open to listening to factual information. And if somebody comes back at you with more factual data that refutes what you're coming with, you should be able to have that dialogue. But the problem is that certain people get, again, the emotions take over their thought processes and they don't use reason and logic because they get proven wrong. And because they get proven wrong, they hang up or they disconnect or they whatever, disappear, walk out because they don't have a rebuttal. They cannot refute the facts and they're not willing to hear them. I'm sorry, that's egregious. I will never accept it because there's no reason for it if you're an adult. So if I have an adult, and this has happened, who does that to me, I consider that egregious and I will not give them a second chance to the degree that I'm not going to have a routine conversation with them. It doesn't mean that I won't help if I can, but in most cases, it's not something I'm going to proactively offer. And it would take a lot for me to mentally come down to that level because I know you'll just do it again because that's kind of inherently how you are. It's just part of your mindset to, I'm not going to, if somebody has proved me wrong and they're using these arguments and I have no rebuttal, I'm just going to disconnect, go ahead and disconnect. I'm disconnecting and I'll stay disconnected because I'm respecting what you wanted. And then they get frustrated because, well, no, that's really not what you wanted. Well, then why'd you do it? Sorry, it's a game. It's That's why it's egregious because you're playing a game. It's not serious to you. So because it's not serious, I'm not going to put myself in that situation. So there are situations for me even where others might not perceive it to be egregious, but I perceive it to be egregious because of the nature of what we're talking about. And most people, I think, if they really thought it through, would agree, okay, you're basically being disrespected. Yes, that's correct. And when you do that, I, all bets are off, and I will I will not kowtow to that. So that's me. 
consider re-meeting people where it makes sense, where there wasn't something serious and you just want to check in on somebody and make sure they're kosher. Or just you want to have the chat. You know, you want to hear their voice. You want to, maybe they had a death in the family. Maybe they had some losses. Maybe they, they're in a rough spot. Whatever it is. But take the time to be, at least be willing, if anything, to take the time to re-meet people for the second time and the third time if you haven't talked to them in a while and see what's going on. And if they're not willing to hear from you, that's fine too. At least you made the effort. You can feel good that I at least tried, even if they weren't receptive to it. 